The first thing I see with everybody, whether I'm working or not, is this incredibly good thing. And that is very important. When I'm working with someone, they're sort of asking me to look for the things that are not so good. Mm -hmm. So I try to see, you know, I look to see what are those things that are blocking them from seeing that really good thing that I can see. And even saying it, my heart starts to open and it, yeah. all this healing starts to happen. So it could be anything. It could be things from their childhood, things from other lifetimes. There can be, you know, stuff they picked up from other people or... Yeah. But the emotional part seems to help people a lot in, you know, they need to know that they, that they are of value in the same way I do, mm. that there's this wonderful thing inside of them that can heal them and then there's a, a way more bigger thing that's very similar outside of them that can come in and heal them too. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. I say it every time, so great to be with you again. And I have another beautiful man to introduce you to today. His name is Dr. Lawrence Brock. Welcome to the show, Lawrence. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I found uh, Lawrence on one of the Facebook chat you know, groups uh, about afterlife or near-death experiences, sharing your story to a group. And I was thinking, there's more to this story than he's allowing. So I thought maybe we should get him on the show and, and let him get his music out of him and share all that he's um, come to know. You've had an extensive experience with healing and yeah, obviously yes. you've had an NDE. So I'd love to discuss all of that. Let me just go over your bio here. Dr. Lawrence Brock has been in private practice as an energy healer for over 35 years. His journey of learning to heal has been a journey of self-discovery, having many opportunities to study with amazing people who have taught him some extraordinary techniques that assisted in awakening an even greater healing ability in him. After his NDE in 1976, Dr. Lawrence became very interested in spiritual studies. Looking back, he knows something happened to him during his NDE that sent him on a spiritual seeking journey. Some of it entailed traveling to other parts of the world and some was an inner journey. His connection to spirit during his NDE has led him from one experience to the next. Until last year, he had put it in the back of his mind and he gave a lecture at the University of Bridgepoint about mindfulness. After the class, the teacher told him she would be teaching a class on the process of death and dying. He mentioned to her that he'd had an NDE and she became excited and asked if he would come to lecture her class. Lawrence is a doctor of spiritual science. I'm going to rattle through all these things that you've done over the years. Yeah. Certified polarity therapist, certified human dynamics bodywork practitioner, fuller certified seminar therapist, master of spiritual science, and ordained minister, just to name a few. 
Lawrence is a regular visiting professor at the University of Bridgepoint. He has a successful counselling practice and has taught worldwide to professionals and lay persons, people alike. For over 35 years, he enjoys teaching and thinks it's wonderful how young people are interested in spiritual studies today. So lovely. So let's yes. go back to 1976 and take okay. us on this journey of awakening. I know that you've said to me that your NDE wasn't that extensive, or at least you don't remember. What do you remember? What happened? Well, you know, I've often thought about that because some people have very more descriptive experiences, but I, I'm a very kinesthetic person and I relate to things more through feeling physically and feeling emotionally and there was a lot of feeling in my NDE just this feeling of love and caring and even the part of describing it afterwards when I heard the expression the ocean of divine love and benevolence that put the words on it because in in me I'm not so quick to put words on things and that really described what it was um, but it um, I just seemed to know more and it I did have some experiences before that but I didn't really again I'm kind of naive in a certain way even to this day um, you know about two years ago I was when I was starting to put things online I was looking at some of the emails of the gratitude people that they sent me and I thought wow I do this amazing stuff and it just sort of woke that up in me to really appreciate um, what I've accomplished. Um, the, there's something happened during my near-death experience. I've just had a drive since then to discover more and more and know more and more. Mm. And there's also something that I've learned about that I call spiritual unknowing that I think applies to that because in when we know something in our mind, it's nowhere near how miraculous or wonderful the things are in the spirit so leaving that room for more is very important it's been a big part of my journey so I'm always looking to learn more you know I'm never feeling like I'm done there's always more I think that's very important oh yeah a few technical issues so who was Lawrence before you had your NDE what were you doing with your life Lawrence was a 22-year-old party animal who worked in a restaurant who got a kick out of smoking joints behind the cooking line and drinking beers during work and staying up late and mostly doing that. So um, not living a very healthy lifestyle. Were you living at home with your parents at the time? Or um, were you? I was living in Colorado. I was working as a chef and lived with my friend right. uh, and came back from New York. It's about 2000 miles away from where my parents live, but I came back to visit them. And that's when the near death experience happened. How did it happen? Um, I was invited to a party by this young lady that I sort of liked and I was happy to go. So I went to the party, I drank some and did some other uh, mind-altering type substances, but I thought I was okay to drive back. But I actually asked my, told my, told the girl I was too drunk to drive home, 
even though I didn't feel like I was at all. When I was looking back to my parents, I realized my sister needed the car in the morning. And so I went back to the party and got the car. By then, I was definitely too high to be driving. So I drove home and about halfway there, I drove into the, fell asleep and drove into this big tree. Uh, I used to have a picture of the car. And it, if you would see it, when I saw it, I couldn't imagine how I survived at all. It was so smashed. And of course, there was a little tiny dent on the tree. Uh, so what happened to your body? You must have smashed it up good. And My head was very smashed. I still have a scar. Most people don't see it that goes here all the way back. Wow. And when my dad came to the hospital, he said, you know, this skin was like leaning back. He could see my skull and everything. And, um, and yeah, I had a lot of bangs on my body and I definitely still feel it. Most of it was on the right side. I still feel some of the injury, actually not still as I've gotten older, I can feel some of the bangs even more. And, and along the scar, it's, there's some points that are very sensitive that never really bothered me when I was younger, but now do. Oh, that's interesting. It's interesting. When I posted something about this online, one of my friends made a funny comment about how it's a dramatic or traumatic way to do what we call soul travel. So there are ways to do what happened during my near-death experience without injuring my body so much that I've learned since. Oh, absolutely. You know, reading your some of your story and some of the things that happened to you afterwards has completely happened to me without any sort of injury. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just meditating. You, yeah. you can, but, so what do you remember from your NDE? Did you, do you remember leaving your body? Did you see your body on the road? Or? I saw my body. A, a police had pulled my body out, I assume. Well, I saw policemen leaning over my body. I was in the white light, not going into the white light. Um, and I just saw it there, but everything felt so good. It didn't even seem, I wasn't upset and um, it just felt warm and loving. And there was this feeling of just understanding everything. I'd like to say it was knowing things, but it was more understanding. It was directly to the feeling part of loving and caring and warmth and understanding in a way that I had not experienced before that in my life. Mm. And when you came back into your body, did you uh, retain that understanding or was that gone? I still have that understanding. I did retain it. it and I still to this day seem to have a choice about going into my thinking about the world or that understanding. Uh, and I mentioned the spiritual unknowing. It is there's not a lot of words in that understanding. It is just an understanding that things are good. And when I work with people, I know how to help them. And then sometimes they'll ask me a minute later, what did you say? And I really have no idea. <laughs> so it, you know, and it, it's also this, it's a discipline because if my ego comes in and starts talking, sometimes I'll lose the information. And so I'm talking to someone acting like, oh, I know what's going on, and then I'll lose that stream of information. It's a, so it's an ongoing discipline of folk, um, 
sort of being mindful, but it's more of being heartful and being in this loving place and trusting. As soon as I do that right now, I start to shake and this energy comes in uh, that I've discovered is healing for me and healing for other people. So during your NDE, you didn't, um, or you don't remember talking to guides or doing life reviews or anything like that. You just remember being in the light. I don't remember the life review at all. I, mm -hmm. There was a master there that, uh, again, I didn't get many words about it, but when I start the, when I met this Sufi Sheikh, that he was the like the first teacher I met after that, and he started talking about Jesus's mother Mary and how open she was to the Christ. That just really like oh that was it, and you know that who I talked to was Jesus, and that that the feeling of benevolence was somehow connected to Mary. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that during the time, but those are the words that seem to line up with it the most. And I'm a little reluctant to use those words because people identify that with being Christian. Mm -hmm. I know my experience transcends religion. So I, you know, I, I work with people of all different religions and sometimes, you know, I'm more than willing to use the words that they would use to describe that that feeling and that knowing and that, he, I mean, it's, so when I, afterwards I start to notice this thing in my hands, it would get warm and it just helped people feel better. And I have learned how to handle that. So now what happens, sometimes I touch people, they feel warm to me and they report that my hand feels warm to them, but my hand does not feel warm to me. Sometimes it's more just like a vibration and this tingling comes in um, and sometimes the people I'm touching feel that almost always they start to feel a little happy and like burdens have been lifted basically. Yeah. So when you came back into your body, do you remember, I mean, I know there's no such thing as time and space from that perspective, but do you kind of, does, does it feel like you were there for a long time, a short time? It felt like a sh pretty short time. Okay out of my body for a short time what happened when you came back into your body were you in the ambulance when you were in the hospital where were you and I'd, i went back into my body and then woke up three days later in the hospital so your body was in a coma for a while yes did um did this experience help with your healing experience as well as like your smashed up body did it i don't know i attribute a lot of my abilities to heal myself quickly to genetics. I mean, my okay. dad's 86, he's still playing tennis every day. And, you know, I don't, you know, you're asking these questions, I would like to be able to say yes or no, but there's so many factors. I mean, I go to the gym, I eat healthy, I meditate every day, I do a lot. Actually, part of my doctoral program was tracking things to try to come up with specifics of do this and then this. And I didn't even come up with anything all those years of school. And when I was talking to the chancellor of the school, he said, that's because you don't track. And I looked at him, I was so diligent in my tracking, but the truth is I cheated. Like if I was tracking exercise, I made sure I exercised a lot. If I was tracking drinking water, I made, you know, I, I wasn't being a neutral tracker to come up with. 
Yeah, what I mean was when your uh, body was healing after the accident, did, did that, yeah. you know, energetic experience in the afterlife help your broken body heal quickly? Do you remember or maybe you weren't thinking about that at the time? I don't know. I wasn't thinking about that. I do know. I remember very specifically the neurologist coming in there and making this look on his face like he was amazed that I, that I survived. Yeah. You know, you're so lucky. Okay, so you're obviously here for a reason. <laughs> you weren't going anywhere. So take us on the journey after that. You said that you've, you know, met many, like there was just this synchronistic journey from one teacher to the next to the next. And maybe the 22-year-old Lawrence had no idea at that time that you were going to be a healer. That is true. I did not. So I, after I was a cook in Colorado for a while, I did come back and um, back to New York and worked in my dad's electrical contracting company. And uh, one day I was driving to one of the jobs to check on, it was a pretty big company. I was in the management and to check on the job. And a, I used to describe as an elderly woman who's probably younger than I am now, yeah. went through a light and I had to swerve out of the way and drive off the road. And there was a big rock that I hit in the bottom of the van, I didn't really feel injured from the accident at all. But the next morning I woke up, my shoulder really hurt, my lower back hurt, not from banging it, but just feeling really tense and stressed. Um, I hadn't taken a vacation in a few years, so I took one and went up to Vermont to visit uh, someone who was connected with the Sufis, uh, but a friend of my wife's. And he suggested I try a polarity treatment. And I had an amazing experience. I didn't know at the time what polarity was. Um, so I always tell this first because I got off the table. I was going to complain about how short it was because she said it would be an hour. And I thought it was a half hour. I looked at the clock. I was there for three hours. Wow. Right, time warped. My childhood. And I did feel... Even though I was only in my mid-20s, my body was, I was very stressed from working so much, but I felt five years younger, which was, and she suggested I try, she knew someone near where I lived who did polarity, so I followed up. One day that woman said, I'm starting to teach some classes. I think you'd like it. Um, it by that time, I was divorced, looking to socialize, and that seemed like a good opportunity. So you were 25 and divorced? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, it was a little little later than that. Okay. Yeah. So I started to discover again, my hands got warm when I touched people. I could also start to feel their energy. I was also starting from doing that discerning in polarity, there are different energy currents, and I could start to discern which energy current I was feeling. Again, it. I don't know, I guess I'm kind of naive. I always thought, not that everyone could do it, but it didn't seem like such a unique, special talent at the time. Mm. One day, the teacher said, I'm going to do a health fair in New York City. I, I'd like, and she invited some of her students to help her do the booth so she didn't have to sit there. It was a big health fair. And I went there and um, I decided if one of these health fairs, there's at least 100 vendors there, maybe even more. Mm. And I decided to try two techniques. And um, so I went over, I just used my intuition and I met this guy who ended up lived five minutes from where I lived. 
and yeah. he did this cool thing. He asked me if I had any, I had a little pain on my lower back and he said, he did some muscle testing and said, say the word monitoring. And it, an image of a monarch butterfly came into my mind and the pain went away. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. And I said to him, I think, you know, I had a feeling I should work with him. And he said, yeah, it'd be good. Um, so from him, I started to learn very deep massage work. And he was French. He would always say to me, you need to be more arrogant. And part of it was what I'm describing as being naive. It's like starting to own my abilities. And, you know, and I've learned at the time, I thought he didn't quite know what that word meant, but I, I still know him. He's super smart and he did know what it meant. But there's a part of this of really owning what I know. A lot of times people come to me and they know a lot too, but I basically know more. You know, one of the things that I liked about you when I saw you trying to get your story out of you, your music out of you, was the lack of arrogance. <laughs> and I just saw a man who has a world of experience who really doesn't have that arrogance to really say, listen, listen to yeah. me. I want to talk all about me. It's all about me and who I am. You know, like you're sort of so behind. You're just quiet. You're one of these quiet achievers. You just do yeah. your work. Right. And yeah, so that's what I was attracted to, the lack of arrogance. So I don't agree with him at all. <laughs> I don't think you need to be more well, arrogant. He's, he's kind of arrogant. So, but, um, no, there's a the part of, you know, feeling comfortable with what I know and then yeah. acting like it's better than what someone else knows. So I think arrogant is thinking that you know more than the other person. And yeah. I might know more about what I know about, but everyone has wisdom about something. That's, that's my Yeah, opinion. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there are amazing people in this world that we will never hear about because of that that lack of arrogance, I suppose. And to me, the world is a magical place full of incredible people doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's my job to like find them and show them and like say to people, you know, look at these amazing people. Look what's possible in this world. Look at our human potential. Look what we can create. And healing the body is a big one, you know, like it's, it's big. Everyone's, you know, disease and uh, illness is so such a huge collective thought form on this planet so yeah. much sickness so much sickness all right so so you studied deep massage then yeah. what when did you start to sort of it's funny because as a masseuse that's when my healing abilities kicked in i'm yeah. touching people's bodies and i'm getting past life yeah. stuff and i'm getting all this information and i'm like what the you know what is happening to me and uh I didn't even know what a spiritual healer was. You know, I just called myself a masseuse. So did, did a similar thing happen to you? Um, yes. I, it's my, probably my most natural forte is more psychological stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, but I, my hands, the touching and feeling is, I've just always been able to help people. And yeah, it's so natural, yeah. Yeah, but I've always even I've always been attracted some through science fiction, but these magical things I've always been attracted to. Even in people, we're talking about everyone has some ability. To me, like it's very magical. 
you know, how, like how I do this. And, you know, I used to watch the electrician. Some of them, some of it was during the time before there were really computers and there was starting to be computerized things and they had no education whatsoever and they could fix it. And to me, they just had that thing of fixing it magic. Some people have it about money. Um, I'm also a really good cook. I got something, you know, so I was a chef and um, my son's an artist. He creates these magical athletes. You know, I know some athletes that are, you know, high level athletes. They have that magical thing in them. Just, it's, I love it. We're all tapped into the stream of pure positive energy, of infinite yeah. potential, of infinite creative potential, pure consciousness. And yeah, whatever we give our intention or attention to when we're tapped into the screen, uh, the screen, the, the stream, yeah. you know, we can create miracles, magic, genius, whatever you want to call it, whether it's in healing or art or mathematics or physiology, right. you know, like physics or whatever. When you put attention to joy, or to interest or to passion right? And, and you focus your attention from your intention, you focus your attention and you're, tra you're tapped into that stream of pure positive creative potential. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And many of the magic and many of the kids coming in today, you know, they've telekinesis, they can move things with their minds and yeah. they're tapped into the, you know, the psychic internet, they're all on the internet talking to each other psychically. It's just incredible what's possible. So you started to perceive people's thoughts and beliefs as like I did when you were massaging and yeah. that took you on another journey. Where did that take you? Um, so, I, yeah, I started to meet, well, I met the Sufi Sheikh who was always sort of goofing on me, actually, but he, he said, you're a sensitive. That's what he called it. Right. And you know, he said to me right from the beginning, I'm not really your teacher, but you could hang around me. And he would say, until we find you someone. And, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. And, but I learned a lot from him. Uh, I met this guy who did these aura healings with candles who I studied with for a while. Uh, I met this woman, her name was Lotus, who I would study the Bible with her actually. And she had me do uh, tarot readings with cards. Um, then I got into electronic stuff. So I was studying with doctors and, you know, very s smart people. Um, so using biofeedback, advanced biofeedback devices. Uh, then, um, then I started meeting a lot of spiritual people. And just, yeah, I just keep learning and learning. What did the Sufi Sheikh teach you? Um, well, he also kept saying to me, you don't need to know that. And I, that is something that is very important to me to allow you know, there's so many different levels and different dimensions in the spirit. And when you try to pin it down, it's not that way. So even there's a lot of healing masters and guides that come in. In one way, I'd like it for them to just stay and work with me so I could sort of publicize that and get some business out of it. But it's, they're always different. There's... Um, so this is psychically, this is when you're working, when you say a lot of healing masters and guides, this is in your, this yeah. is in your spirit that come in and work with you and they're yeah. always different. All right. They don't. No, but I mean, there's some regulars. Right. Important to not 
tried to pin it down in my mind and be open. So recently this, uh, you know, it looks like a person, I don't even know what to call him, very, I've never seen him before. And he looks kind of preppy, which is unusual. So he has this blue sweater on, glasses similar to mine, very neat haircut. And it's like, you know, usually they look more, you know, they'll be like a Chinese master or, you know what I mean, Jesus or some, you know, something that we would associate more with spiritual. Uh, but it, it's even now, it's just such a nice warm feeling. I think it has a lot to do with the color of his sweater. And there's... It's, uh, so, Lawrence, yeah. do you talk to him? Like, who are you? What are you doing here? What are you teaching me? What are you giving me? Do you talk to them or do you just allow them to do what they do? I just allow that feeling to come in. And, you know, so far this person has only been there for me. So I All don't right. know if I'm in when I'm working with other people. Right. And what other um, masters have you perceived? Uh, some normal ones would be uh, Saint Germain, Walid and Rumi, Lao Tzu. Um, Others. Uh, the mob. <laughs> there's a lot. You know, it can be anything. So, I mean, the go-to person is is Jesus Christ. Like that's always a safe entrance way into that world because He sort of protects us on this level here for them. So, so how did you? There's all sorts of angels. How did you formulate a relationship with um, the Christ uh, from being like a like an agnostic or a, uh, like well, kid? Jewish agnostic, I guess. A like Jewish that. agnostic. Yeah, Jewish agnostic. <laughs> I was brought up being Jewish. I never really. I did like the mystical stories in the Bible, but um, I don't. You know, it just happened, and it was just. It just when I heard those words, it was like, that's it. You know, I had no qualms about uh, some of my friends did not like that. That is definitely what, what words was that when you heard what words? Christ and Mary and these Christian words and even the Islamic words that, you know, Jewish people don't like Christian words or Islamic words. But those are things that really touch my heart. And I ne to me, it didn't really matter. I, you know, I was brought up in it with pretty open-minded parents and, you know, not being prejudiced in that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I can think of, you know, sometimes I have to be careful around people. There was one time I was working with this woman who is a reputable teacher in the Jewish, the Hebrew community, and there was masters coming in that were not Jewish, and she did not like that. Really? Yeah. So I've learned oh, humans. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I've learned that's fine. You know, who am I to say even what it is? As I said, in the unknowing, it's like if there's healing takes place, my job is to love. I mean, some people say things to me and inside of me, I get, it's just so off. And, you know, that's who am I to say what their karma is? You know, it's, it's really my job to love them and, hold for this incredible light that can come in and in whatever language they can understand, point out how to guide them to connect to that energy and how to let it in where their injury or disease is, whether it's psychological or physical, emotional, whatever it is. Oh, I just had a thought. 
you know, a few thoughts, but um, I was thinking, when are humans going to see that it's not about this separation, your religion, my religion, who's right, who's wrong? It seems to be so prevalent on our planet. And then I just had a thought about your client who was didn't like that the um, master was not Jewish. Yeah. That she had actually been a part of the persecution of the Jewish people in another lifetime. And so she elected to come in as Jewish in this lifetime and then kind of got caught up in the whole, I have a lot of Jewish friends, you know, I can't marry you if you're not Jewish. I can't go to you for, as a healer if you're not Jewish. There's all this sort of like, you've got to be in the club. And, um, and but it's, it's in most religion. It's in every religion. So we're talking yeah, every about, religion, yeah. about Jewish, but it's, you know, a lot of the Catholics. I mean, you know, even the difference within the different Christian faiths, like being Catholic or being Christian, some people, I'm single and I met this woman online who was Catholic. And even though a lot of my beliefs would be considered Christian, she just didn't want to date me because I wasn't Catholic. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, wow. I, you know, it, I've, it's our prejudice. Okay. We need to get Lawrence a girlfriend. Anyone out there? <laughs> I'm working as a matchmaker right now, Lawrence. <laughs> okay. Now I'm all on board with, definitely. <laughs> now, what part of the States are you in? Someone close to you? New Jersey. New Jersey. All right. Beautiful healer. <laughs> Forget about online dating. Just come on the show. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of women, probably, you know, older women watching the show. You never know. Yeah. I'm a liberant matchmaker. All right, let's get back into your healing journey. I know that you've got a lot of uh, very cool, as you would say, experiences yeah. with, with healing with, with your clients. T tell us about some of the like, extraordinary ones that you remember. Um, I'm going to start with one that took, didn't happen in, in very few sessions because I tend to tell those and then I don't know if it's an accurate perception, but there's a woman... She's worked with me for a couple of years, and she, when I would look at her when we started, in what I see, it was just blank, and she was depressed. So there was no colors in her, you know, whatever I, whatever you would call what I look at. Aura of energy, right? Yeah. It, it's more of an image that I see. It's not her energy field that I was looking at. Right. Okay. What goes on in her unconscious. Right. And, you know, it. She just all of a sudden, you know, I start actually, I was explaining this to her. I said, you need to start putting colors in there. And I got her to start painting and stuff to start adding, you know, do something physically that could start to allow the colors to come into her consciousness. At yeah. some point when I looked at her, then when I would compare to what I saw before, I'd say, wow, you look like a normal person. And she yeah. goes, yeah, I feel like a normal person. And then she continued to work with me and then she was on medication for a long time and a couple months ago she ran out of one of the medications and decided to not refill it and now and then the other one and now she's off medication which is um so that one took a couple of years uh, and i'm saying that just to give a balance you know a lot of people work with me for a long time mm -hmm. of course the really cool ones are the ones that happen instantly which All right I, um, I guess 
one of the cool stories is this woman who I met socially and was thinking of dating her, but I don't want to date people that I feel like I have to heal. Yeah, totally. Arthritis through her whole body. And um, so it was a phone session and I could see right away there was this American Indian healing guide with her. And she was talking, and this happens a lot. As soon as the people start talking, I see everything. But I'm polite. I listened to her story. And then I said, you have this American Indian healing guide with you. She said, I know someone told me, but I could tell by her tone of voice and what I saw, she was afraid. And I said, you don't get it. This thing is there to help you. And this thing. <laughs> this, this person. This yeah. guy, person. Yeah. Entity, being. Yeah. yeah. This being thing is not the right word. So, um, and then she got it like that and she goes, whoa, the pain's gone. And it's been there for three years. Wow. So as soon yeah. as she accepted that, this being was there to help her and she stopped being afraid of him. It just instantly dissolved. Exactly. What did you see her after that? What? Oh, I'm getting all these lights. I followed up about three months later and she said the pain had not returned. I didn't follow up any after. Did she start working with her guide? I don't know. You know, I don't know anything. Sometimes I don't get to know people. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I had someone uh, some years ago, this is when I was doing the deep, body work she came to me and it you do those in a series of 10 sessions she actually had 12 sessions but she was crying the whole time yeah you know i started to think i was hurting her you know but i know people cry during that so i did polarity which is very gentle she cried the whole time anyway and then i didn't hear from her and i was like you know questioning what i did a few years later i ran into her I recognized her, but she looked so much more beautiful and feminine, and she she had big bags under her eyes, and she had this job, this terrible boyfriend, and she was so happy to see me. She, you know, and I was glad to see her because she said that helped so much. And she started a business. She was married to a really nice guy, and but I don't know how it got from her crying every time I saw her to. Yeah, just releasing, releasing, releasing. So we're still having a few internet problems. It's not the best connection. I did tell my daughter to get off the internet, but she probably ignored me. But anyway, uh, (laughs) my daughter visiting. She says she's online studying. Um, Anyway, we'll we'll power through this. Uh, So we had a bit of a scratchy. So, So she used to have big bags under her eyes. And she had all these problems in relationships. And when you saw her, she looked younger and more youthful. And she was in a nice And I saw her later. I, I think yeah. I ran into into an airport, actually, which seems right. to have happened many times over the years. But she was, and she was so happy. She said it was a great experience. And, of course, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, I totally messed up. And, but I, I didn't. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> confirmation confirmation yeah. i remember i had a client once he, he was a a, a um, husband of a good friend of mine a girl i went to school with and he got quite sick i can't remember what happened it was when i was a masseuse and i was learning about uh, i used to massage them regularly that's right and he got quite sick and i was learning healing at the time energy healing and i was learning to remote view i was learning to look inside people's bodies and he had a, a sort of like a pneumonia in one of his lobes and i told him what lobe it was in and he said, no, no, no. You know, I said, oh, it's not in the top lobe. It's in the middle lobe on the left side. I can't remember now. It's so many years ago. 
And he said, no, no, that's not what the doctor said. Anyway, he went to right. the doctors the next day and had an x-ray, came back for his weekly massage and said, you were right. That's exactly where it was. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, like that confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that reminds me, I don't even remember the details. I had a place in New York City where I worked and this woman came in. I don't even remember what was wrong with her, but she came in for one session. And then when she came back, she said, oh, the doctor said they made a mistake, you know. Yeah, I've heard that so many times. They can't admit that there was a healing. They must have made a mistake. So she was basically better after one session. Yeah, one of the, when I started to really appreciate what I've done, I was, the email I was reading was this woman who came to me, she had a miscarriage and Mm -hmm. her reproductive system was in bad shape, getting worse and worse. The doctor said, forget having a kid. And she was, you know, she was young and she was very upset. Her friend forced her to come see, someone who's a longtime client of mine forced her to come see me basically. And I said, I'm pretty sure I can help you. And after two sessions, she wrote me this email saying, I don't know what you do, but the doctors say I'm getting better now. Then I'd say about a year, a little more later, her friend told me she had a baby, you know, son. Yeah. That's like, that's really miraculous, cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I know it's funny, isn't it? Even healers that get sick still run off to the doctor's they could have studied for 30 years energy healing techniques. And when they get sick, they still go over to that allopathic um, mainstream model. Yeah. And I just really don't believe we have to. I interviewed Catherine Hand on the show a while back and she had cancer. And she, is a, she was a clinical hypnotherapist taking people in life between lives. And I think she'd yeah. studied Dr. Newton's work anyway. And when she got was diagnosed with cancer, you know, she goes to the oncologist and the oncologist says, right, we're going to take your breast off and we're going to do this and do that. Yeah. And in her bones, in her being, she knew that was not her route, but she was so pressured by family, friends yeah. and the medical industry to take that route because if you don't, you know you're going to die. Anyway, yeah. so she didn't. And the last minute, the day before the operation, she cancelled and she started yeah. doing emotional healing techniques. You know, she's like, what do I know? Like I've been... Yeah. I've been looking at healing all my life. What do I know? I know I know tapping, you know, I know how to reach in and find those emotions and which is a lot of the work that you do today, isn't it, Lawrence? You work with people's emotions and it is. I mean, that's the thing I can talk about the best. So it, it is Let's talk about that. it. Okay. Um, yeah, I just that's you know, I've seemed to I guess being an empath was something that happened when I was young, just feeling a lot of stuff. And until I learned how to handle it, it was not. Yeah. A, you were already an empath, empath before you had your NDE, right? You said you yeah. had a couple of experiences and probably that's why you were getting drunk a lot because you were trying to cope with feeling so intensely. Probably, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would feel things and even now with my daughter, I can sort of tell what she's thinking and feeling to it. You can't tell. Yes. My daughter's like, I bet you can't tell what I'm thinking. (laughs) It's funny because you don't hear their thoughts, but you feel their vibe, right? So you don't know the words behind it, but you know exactly what they feel. That's what an empath is. And 
It's yeah. like, she's like, a bitch can't read my mind. You don't know what I'm thinking. And I do know what she's thinking, but I don't know the words, but I know the vibe. Yeah, the feeling, yeah. yeah, I know the feeling. I know if she's happy or sad or frustrated or upset or, or anybody. I know if anybody's like that. In fact, like you, Lawrence, and I didn't die for this to happen or have an NDE. Not, not that I remember. Anyway, um, I can just get like the information about anyone if i tune if yeah. i look at a photograph like anything it's just phew, coming to me and sometimes i just have to stop like because it's not a part of my day i'm at the supermarket i start looking at someone i start asking questions like oh that looks interesting she looks interesting or something and then right. phew, all this information starts kicking in is that like you um yes and i've learned to basically mind my own business I mean, sometimes <laughs> i have no yes. choice yes yes <laughs> Something I find frustrating is people call me to talk about my work and find out about it and they get healed. Then I don't get to make any money. Which I've done that so many times, Lawrence. I can't tell you. I really had to learn boundaries around that. I really, I would spend an hour, two hours on the phone giving people everything they needed. I remember one yeah. woman, sorry to talk about me, but when I, I remember one woman ran up, she said, I, I'm thinking having a healing session with you and then she launches into her story right mm. and then i'm giving her all this advice and she goes oh that was really helpful thanks very much and then she goes to see a channeler she has a 15 minute uh. phone consultation she pays this woman 250 australian dollars she rings yeah. me up a week later and she's like oh my god i had the most amazing channeling session with this woman right. and then she tells me what the woman said to her it was exactly what i had said to her and I'm yeah. like, okay, what was happening here? One, she was receiving free information and so she wasn't valuing it because it wasn't a session. And the other one, she had paid an exorbitant amount for a very short period of time. So she'd put great value on this woman and she had received the information whereas she hadn't received the information from me. And I'm like, right. now this, it was really upset me at the time. Yeah. But that was a lesson. That was a really powerful an experience recently with someone who saw me on one of the Facebook groups. Right. She contacted me, and when I told her how much I charge, she said, I can't afford it. Right. Willing to check to see. Like some people can't, most people can, and but I got to charge her a little bit less. And I told her, and she said, I still can't afford that. I said, Well, that's, I was very clear about that price. And then she called back. She messaged me back a few minutes later and said, okay. And instantly she got, she felt something shift. Right. And then she paid the money in the next few days. Again, she felt the energy come in. So her irregular heart rate changed her eye. You know, this was even before the session and she had already paid me and I'm glad because then she came back and said, oh, because she got a lot of healing already. She said, maybe I won't have the session. I said, no way. You know, you, <laughs> but you know, it's because it is part of it is wanting to help people. And then it is how do you take care of yourself? It's interesting because at the time that was happening to me, I was thinking it was all about me and my lack of self-worth. Yeah. But I actually it wasn't. It's actually about people taking responsibility for their own healing. And it's not yeah. I like the guides say to me, money is irrelevant. You guys put so much you know, value and importance on money. And we don't give a hoot about money. Get money, don't get money. We don't care. You know, like yeah. it's you with your story around the money. But there is a, 
we value it as something precious, right? Mm -hmm. So when we exchange that thing that we mm -hmm. think is precious, then we're saying that my healing is precious. Like my self-healing is a value rather mm -hmm. than going to work, you know, getting the job, getting the money, you know, like it's bringing that value back to the self. So maybe I can't afford to heal, have a healing because I need to pay the bills and, you know, the school fees and blah, 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 blah. But then you're putting all that more important than your own inner work. And I think right. that the guides really want you to value your inner work to the point where you exchange something of value. Yeah. By putting them up. yeah. I have a friend who had a couple of sessions with me and it helped her so much. And she says, Oh, I don't know if I have the money. She's not working, but she'll go out for dinner and drinks and a show at, you know, and spend more than a session with me doing yes, things that are not healthy. So and she doesn't think twice about that. I know. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, so getting back to the psychology, yes. working with people's psyche and their consciousness, yes. how do you help people like that? What do you see when you look at a person? The first thing I see with everybody, whether I'm working or not, is this incredibly good thing. And that is very important. When I'm working with someone, they're sort of asking me to look for the things that are not so good. Mm -hmm. So I try to see, you know, I look to see what are those things that are blocking them from seeing that really good thing that I can see. And even saying it, my heart starts to open and it, yeah. all this healing starts to happen. And then I can, I actually used to see a line and then I would see things along that line but now it's just sort of, I know it's almost like that was a tool to learn how to do that. Um, so it could be anything. It could be things from their childhood, things from other lifetimes. There can be, you know, stuff they picked up from other people or. Yeah. Um, but the emotional part seems to help people a lot in, you know, they need to know that they, that they are of value in the same way I do, mm. that there's this wonderful thing inside of them that can heal them and then there's a, a way more bigger thing that's very similar outside of them that can come in and heal them too you know uh that perspective of seeing their divinity seeing their um beauty seeing their yeah. seeing the very good thing as you describe it is is key for any healer and the allopathic industry has it completely the opposite when you come in for your illness treatment not your health treatment but your illness treatment right. the doctors exactly. focus on the illness they focus on the problem they put all their powerful attention on right. what's wrong they give it a label and then they accelerate and expand that thought form so that the illness pretty much gets worse people could be living with cancer for years and then a doctor yeah. gives you a diagnosis and now you're sick. You know, yeah. like they could be living with cancer with no pain, maybe a little tiredness. And then a right. doctor gives you a diagnosis and then you start to be a sick person. Whereas before you were just tired. And um, oh, it's just the way the world needs to change. We need to understand the power of focus and that the, what we give our attention to, what we give our focus to expands. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're focusing on their divinity. You're focusing on their perfection. You're focusing on their... I remember hearing about Sananda Jesus 
you know, the miracle healings was that when he looked at the leper dripping with illness, he didn't see the illness. He didn't see the illusion. He saw the soul. He saw the soul, who the soul was or is, what the soul is up to in this lifetime. And his power of focus was so intense that as he gazed upon you, only seeing your soul, that the physical body would just instantly heal. And I just think that's that's it. That's where that's where it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, those healings are the very super cool stories. And I use a lot of adjectives and, and adverbs because there is no way to explain it. No no matter what the words are, it does start to get into religious words, but it, it is just something that is such a blessing and it's just really miraculous, you know. So what would you like what would you like the world to know? What would you like people to know about themselves and and the world and healing? And... Um, that's a tricky question. I would like to say that there is they everyone has a soul and there's something good in them, um, but a lot of people think that and they're not really connected to that thing in them. So it's, yeah. it would be hard to say it. Um, you know. I mean, world peace, I, you know, you're, there's, I, I don't even know where to start with that. There's too much. So it's, um, but to me, it's, there's a part of me doing what I can do in that way of, you know, seeing that good in people and learning to set the boundaries when I need to. Um, I have people in my life that I need to set boundaries with, but I want to be able to see that good thing in them at the same time. And it's a little tricky because inside of me, it's like this joyous, wonderful thing. But then I need to remember this person's probably not going to do something very nice to me. So how do I go? And, you know, it's staying within my own strength and understanding I can still be kind to them, even though they're, and I would probably use a swear word, something, you know, doing something not nice. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, that's, you know, we could talk about it sort of we could talk about that for hours. What would you like the world to know? It, um, I guess that good is possible, and you know a lot of people are afraid that if you take those risks of coming from that place of giving and loving that people will take advantage of you, and you sort of have to start the ball rolling as much as you can and do that. That's what I think that's what I would like them to know that not to be afraid of being kind and generous yes and to understand how to do that in a way with and not be taken advantage of too much not be taking advantage of well like attracts like doesn't it so when you're kind and generous from an from a from an authentic place not from a please like me if i'm kind and generous to you please like me because i don't like myself if you're kind and generous because it you can't be anything but then you can't be taken advantage of. You just can't. You know, I want to just say to people, (laughs) when we were having all these technical difficulties at the beginning of this, I had this song going through my mind by Natalie Merchant called Kind and Generous. Yeah. (laughs) And I said to Lawrence, it must be you. She's singing about you. You're so kind and generous. Keep on telling. Anyway, and it just was going through my mind constantly. And I was like, it was sort of like annoying me because I was trying to think and get mics plugged in and everything. Um, I've had to learn that that's who I am. And whatever other people are doing, I feel best doing that. And if I don't, then I'm not being true to myself. And yeah. that doesn't feel good. That's very important. Yeah. 
Well, Dr. Lawrence, Brock, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And for people listening on audio, where can they find you? They can find me at lawrencebrock.com. L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E-B-R-O-C-K. I'll have the link on my webpage if people want to go to the webpage. Have you written any books? Have you got your music out of you in books? No, I don't think you have. Right. No. Hmm? It seems lately people are asking me a lot about that. So I do have a user-friendly version of my treatise about breathing. Oh, we were going to go into the breathing. Maybe before we just wrap this up, we'll do a breathing technique because you said you'd like to talk about your breathing technique, your healing breathing technique. I guess what I would talk about that's quick and simple that can help pretty much everyone is learning to do abdominal breathing, even though that's not the whole thing. Um, That shift in someone's breathing can make such a difference in how they are physically and emotionally. So basically, you put your hand on your chest and one hand on your belly and breathe and just feel which hand moves. Yeah, it's pretty much the chest, isn't it? So then to start learning how to do abdominal breathing, you do two things at the same time. And if you do it a little bit, they'll sort of connect. So you stick your belly out and breathe in at the same time. So with you can try sticking your belly out first and then practice breathing in. Your lower belly or upper belly or middle belly? You're, well, you're really not breathing into your belly. You're breathing into the bottom of your lungs. But So either your upper belly or lower belly. Right, okay. It's interesting, you know, when I have spirit that comes through powerfully, yeah. I just naturally go into pranayama breathing which is that deep breathing. I remember learning it when I was young and then people were teaching me the technique and I was like, this feels awkward, this feels awkward, does it feel natural, does not feel awkward? And then when I started channeling, I would just naturally drop into that really deep breathing. I was at a friend's place, we were doing some meditation and activation and stuff and I was sitting there in meditation, sitting in front, I was sitting on the couch and someone was sitting on the floor in front of me and the breathing was just so loud and deep and he said to me afterwards, you're breathing and I said, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it, like if I drop into that space, this breathing just happens naturally, yeah. Most people when they're sleeping, they do that also. Actually, I think for my user-friendly version it's for most people if they practice for a while they can start breathing like that on a daily basis and it's, it helps your physical body obviously getting more oxygen in it helps relax you emotionally it massages your internal organs it can be that uh, the breathing exercise i developed for my treatise is a little more than that but to get into teaching it now would take it takes about a half hour 45 minutes to do that another time maybe we'll get you in the inner sanctum and you can teach our little tribe all about your breathing technique in the inner sanctum which are online gatherings thank you again for coming on the show it's a pleasure you have a great way about you it's nice that you're doing this (laughs) bye for now bye-bye dr lawrence brock what a beautiful man really genuine beautiful healing man lovely to talk with him today trying to get his music out of him not always easy sometimes people don't always can't always find the words to express what they experience and feel not always easy to find the words because 
you know, these experiences that we have are so empathic, they're such feeling experiences, and then we have to engage the left brain and put those experiences into legible, logical words that speak to the linear mind. Uh, thanks again for watching another show, Accentuating Positive. Uh, coming up, I've got Dr. Jeff Driscoll on the show who has just written a book. I have to remember what the book's called. But anyway, it'll be the next show. He was a doctor for many years and a psychic. And so he saw all these amazing things as he was working in hospitals. He saw spirits waiting for people, you know, by their bedside when they were dying and all sorts of amazing things. So it'll be a fascinating conversation with Dr. Jeff Driscoll and uh, one of my good friends, Kristen, who's a member of our little inner sanctum tribe, saw him speaking and said, oh, Karen, you've got to check this guy out. And I did and contacted him and yeah, it's such a beautiful, another beautiful man, another gem amongst us. So that'll be gorgeous. And uh, lots of people coming up on the show and Barbara Jean Lindsay is coming into the Inner Sanctum in the next month as a guest teacher. She is the, um, she's, she was on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, she had a near death experience in the eighties and, and then she had that experience with Sekhmet in, in Egypt, remember, she's an amazing, cosmic, multi-dimensional, incredible being with a wealth, a lifetime of experiences <laughs> under her belt and a wealth of knowledge. So it'll be beautiful to meet Barbara Jean Lindsay if you want to join us in the Inner Sanctum. They're not expensive. They're like $25 a month on subscription, which for people in the US is like $20, maybe even $18, depending on how, how low our Australian dollar is. Uh, and we have a few seminars, a few online gatherings a month. We have a little group. We support each other through our journey, our spiritual journeys. We support each other on our awakening journey. It's really there to help you find your voice, get your music out of you, either getting your music out of you in the Awakening Soul Series books or just sharing it with people in the inner sanctum. Some people have been too scared to share their experiences or even their awakening journey. You know, you've got people to talk to that don't think you're crazy and have been through experiences that you're going through. So join us in the Inner Sanctum or come and have a personal session with me or Dr. Lawrence. He sounds like a beautiful healer and yeah. Thanks again for watching. Love you all. Bye for now.